Revocations. New album, Nether Heaven, sees the band in absolute peak form. The album is dedicated to the memory of Trevor Sternad and includes guest vocals from the late singer as well as Corpse Grinder on the track, Re-Crucified. Watch videos, listen, and read about the album right now at metalblade.com slash revocation. Nether Heaven hits digital and physical shelves on September 9th. Also, Libica is set to unleash their debut instrumental post-rock opus. Fans of Pelican, Russian Circles, etc. will enjoy this effort from Killswitch Engage drummer Justin Foley, who is on the guitar this time around with friends from the Florida music scene, Joey Johnson, Doug French, and Chris Lane. Foley comments, I'd written a bunch of stuff that didn't quite fit into traditional song structures, explains Justin, and I've always been drawn to bands where the instruments provide hooks rather than relying on a lyric. It seemed like a good time to start something new and see where it can go. Listen and watch now. Metalblade.com slash Libica. Once again, guys, Nether Heaven by Revocation comes out September 9th. Make sure you're picking it up and make sure you are checking out Libica. Go to Metalblade.com slash Libica. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Jocelyn Sharp, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everybody out there? It's been a minute since we've done you guys a .5, half episode, you know, to celebrate a band. Uh, so we decided this week that we got to do that because we are so stoked on the latest album by revocation nether heaven guys it is coming out september 9th that is this friday so we are um all about you guys making sure you're pre-ordering it picking up listen to it streaming it it's a beast of a record such a fan of it so we got lucky enough to just get a quick phone call get a chat with none other than dave davidson to support this thing so here you go guys special half week episode 0.5 episode to celebrate the latest record from revocation nether heaven let's jump into my interview with the one and only David Davidson of Revocation. Dude, I just I just came from the movie theaters. I don't know the last time you've been to the movie theaters, but I saw this film, 3,000 Years of Longing. Fucking blew my mind. And I went on the internet to see what other people were saying, and nobody got it. <laughs> it kind of it Does that derail like something you love sometimes when you're like, oh, man, this, 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 this was amazing. And then you go out there and you see that there's not that mutual feeling. Um, I mean, I don't think it changes how I necessarily feel about it, but I guess in some ways, yeah, like it'll maybe like I think it more angers me. I'm like, why don't people like this? This is sick. Right. That's the thing is I feel more disconnected and growing growing up feeling like some sort of outcast when I feel more disconnected. I think you're right. Anger is the first thing where I just want to be like, can you guys go? watch this movie again um but anyways have you heard of this movie it's from george miller the guy that did mad max fury road no i i haven't heard of it at all actually oh dude it was uh it's a theater movie just trust me on that and i'm not talking about okay. like it's just this beautiful love story and it's got tilda swinton in it and man i just walked out like almost like an artistic high and i'm like man i got this when's the last time you did uh, just talking about movie theaters by the way everybody Dave Davidson's on the show, Revocation. We are here to celebrate, man, the fucking badass new record, Nether Heaven. It's coming out September 9th. I know I segued, segued into 
films there for a second. But what is the, the last film that you saw in the movies that you were like, this is why theaters have to exist forever? Um, yeah, last film, or, or la last, yeah, last movie that I saw in the theater was, I think it was the new, uh, I think it was the new Cronenberg film, Crimes of the Future. Son of a bitch, yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? See, we're on the same page. Now, the second you brought up Crimes of the Future, I'm like, okay, that was a must-see in the theater for me as well. Um, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, I liked it a lot. I mean, it's it's weird. It definitely has that, that signature Cronenberg body horror mm -hmm. vibe to it. Um, very bizarre film. I'd have to probably like watch it again. It definitely had some, like, there were some question marks for me at the end of it. Um, so I'd have to probably watch it again, or uh, sometimes I like to read, uh, you know, pe different people's uh, not just reviews, but like w when they try to maybe they ha the, the fan theories, right, where they come up yes. with their own ideas behind it. Um, or sometimes you know I'll go down the rabbit hole and try to find interviews with the director to see, um, you know, if 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 he gives any uh, any details as to maybe some hidden meanings there to look out for, uh, which I haven't done yet. Um, but yeah, that was a really cool film. Very, very bizarre, very surreal. Um, yeah, just, I mean, just classic fucking weird Cronenberg Dude, shit. I, I rarely buy the, you know, uh, Blu-ray DVD combos. Like I, I, I don't want to say rarely, but it's like, I went to the record store yesterday, Zia records. I'm out here in Las Vegas, everybody. I'll give them a shout out cause I love them. Um, and they didn't have it. They didn't have crimes of the future. It came out August 9th on DVD. So I got excited but they were sold out. And uh, it's funny because me, I always wait to be like, is there an audio commentary by the director so I can hear, you know, after I see it, like I saw it in theater, I have my theories and then you hear their version of events. And sometimes they cheat you though, man. You know, sometimes um, one of my favorite films of the last, I don't know, five years, first reformed. Did you see that one with the, no. okay. The Paul Schrader movie. Jesus, mm -hmm. man, it's a phenomenal movie. And uh, I, I was like, audio commentary yes i'm on it he didn't help me out at the end <laughs> well sometimes i think directors like to uh like to leave it up to the imagination a little bit which is which is cool so i can respect that absolutely uh and the segue before we start talking a little bit more about the record guys uh cronenberg naked lunch are you a huge fan of that one or no uh you know i don't think i ever actually ever saw naked lunch to be honest mm. with you Okay, that's that's like my top three Cronenberg. I've seen it a ton. Uh, yeah, and I'm a, I'm a fly guy. Oh, fly so good. Fly is yeah. so good. I just yeah. bought Scanners, like used, and I mm -hmm. watched it. I'm like, this is probably my least favorite Cronenberg movie. Scanners. It's, I remember it cooler as a kid, but didn't stick right. with me. But Videodrome, right. I mean, there's just so many better ones, man. Yeah, and, Dead Ringers. Oh, right, that's a weird one. Yeah. There, there's one. There's one that, like, when you talk about body horror, Dead Ringers is the one that grosses me out the most. And it's not the grossest. Yeah. It's just something about it that's slimy and creepy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, anyways, dude, beautiful. I'm glad that me and you did share Crimes of the Future in the theater because that's the only reason I go to movies now is to go see something like that or the film I just saw, 3,000 uh, Years of Longing. I, I don't go for um, – I go for those, like, almost art house type of moments to just like completely take me away. But it's, it's not entertainment anymore. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to learn something here or see something new, you know, and, and new is the key word probably. Yeah. 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 One movie that I, I wished I saw in theaters, but I just ended up watching it at home was, uh, was mad God, mad God. I haven't seen this or heard of it. What was what this? Tell me about this. 
Oh, Mad God's, uh, oh man, it's fucking insane. Oh, I'm writing this down. Uh, Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a, it's a film by, um, Phil Tippett. Uh, he's, he's worked on like a bunch of different uh, movies, um, in, in terms of like, like he's like a stop motion animation guy. Ah. Um, so it's like, it's just basically like this, like claymation like descent into like hell there's like no dialogue throughout the whole thing and it's just like this character just kind of moving throughout this like nightmare world uh and there's just all these like disgusting weird creatures and yeah it's just uh it's like a tool video mixed with like 50 of like the most like insane death metal album covers like Ooh, come to life dude i am glad you're promoting this on this show <laughs> i'm gonna yeah, check this like, out man but definitely uh, like do a lot of drugs and go see that movie oh man or don't do any drugs you know i'm not you know if you do drugs then if you're already doing drugs then <laughs> then do drugs and and see mad god you know if, if you don't do drugs already um then just you know go see it uh go see it sober what's the worst film I, okay I, i'll be honest with you i don't do drugs but i'm not opposed to people that do drugs so we're on the same point but what's the worst film just from a normal standpoint where you're like i never want to watch this film and do drugs at the same time um a bug's life i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it was better than ants they came out the same year <laughs> no, i don't know yeah uh, i'm trying to think of something like real oh um <laughs> maybe martyrs yeah I was, oh uh, martyrs the french one yeah. right oh yeah yeah the french version yeah i was hanging with a buddy one time we took acid and watched that and like literally had a seizure. We had to like call like the ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't do like I, 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 you've seen Begotten. Have you ever seen that one? No. Okay, that's like an old it's not that old, maybe like eighty nine, ninety. But uh, uh -huh. it's same thing. It's like it's it's no dialogue and just this fear ridden it's it's probably the most anxious and crazy feeling I've ever had watching oh. any kind of film. Uh, it's by E. Elias Marriage, who's only he did Shadow of a Vampire, that Willem Dafoe movie. That's all I know oh, okay. from him. But anyways, this movie Begotten is like I remember watching that. And I'm like, if I was on drugs, this would go. This this would. It's just never watch this film on drugs. <laughs> that was just yeah. the feeling I had because just sober, I was like, ugh. Right. But um, yeah, martyrs. I have like the hard data on. Like my friend was like, <laughs> like smoked weed and was like on acid and uh, like legit had a like a panic like he had like a seizure we had to like call a fucking ambulance it was crazy Jesus. he's fine now good but uh yeah i went, I went fucked him up pretty good <laughs> those french horror movies for that time period when martyrs came out did you see inside i know they remade that which is weird that in that movie about the lady trying to take the baby out of oh stuff? yeah yeah in inside is incredible I, I think the french have been you know at the the top of the heap for me in terms of horror movies yeah. for the last decade really i mean uh you know martyrs inside high tension Yo. uh i just saw titan which was really bizarre um kind of had a cronenbergy body horror vibe to it but in in its own way but yeah titan was great uh i'm probably forgetting another classic one but yeah the, the, the french have been fucking killing it when it comes to horror 
Um, although I will say, I feel like there's with that A24 Studios, I feel like there's been a great resurgence of um, horror coming out of that studio, um, whether it's the Ari Aster stuff with Midsummer or Hereditary. Um, there, there's actually been a few films that I haven't. Um, Did you see X, the Thai West one? No, I, I, I that's on my list. Uh, okay. Men is on my list. Oh, um, yeah, there's a, there's a few films that I haven't seen yet that I really want to. And I just saw a uh, trailer for a movie called Pearl the other day that yeah. uh, looks really... That's the sequel to X, or prequel, or something. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, I didn't know that either. I, I was lucky enough, I talked to Tyler Bates. He did the soundtrack for the, the film. They're already doing a prequel to a movie that just came out? That's crazy. Yeah, I swear to God. And he goes, yeah, I just did the music to Pearl. He's like, oh, you got to cut that out. I can't say that yet. He did. It's it's out, out now, so I can say it. <laughs> but I had to cut the part out because he told me. Him and Chelsea <laughs> Wolf did the uh, soundtrack to X, and they reteamed up for Pearl. But uh, as crazy as it sounds, yeah, they shot that in New Zealand, and it's like, it's. I thought it was Texas the whole way. You haven't seen it. I'm not ruining anything, but like, yeah. Just realize when you're watching it, you're like, oh, that's New Zealand? It's crazy. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, dude, it's uh, definitely worth your time. And I am, uh, for me, I'm, I'm with you where, uh, I got to be honest with you, I don't want to bag anything because I'm not a filmmaker, but like the Bloomhouse years of horror really just turned me off from so much of the stuff that was everybody was talking about. And now we have this resurgent, maybe the last five, six years of stuff that I'm, I'm like, chomping at the bit for you know i'm like yeah, yes yeah we're getting yeah, back hereditary to kick hereditary kicked it off for me actually that's a good callback to your original uh sort of intro when you're talking about movies in that theater you, that you see in the theater or like then people like shit on afterwards like like i thought hereditary that, i thought that was one of the best horror movies i've ever seen and the fact that that was like that guy's like first like major film like so when i saw the people bagging on it i'm like what what fucking more do you want from a horror movie? Like that movie, in my opinion, was incredible. It had all the great elements. That was like obviously like a classic kind of retelling of a. It, it wasn't subject matter that's never been talked about, right? Like you know, demonic possession has yeah. been a theme in in horror movies for a long time. But I thought he did it like in a really incredible way. Um, there was like callbacks to like classic horror films. Just like the whole thing, I thought was great. Super fucking creepy and disturbing and. It, um, and you yeah, saw it in the theater. Awesome. You said you right. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. See, I didn't the one I, annoying part about going I, when I saw it in the theater, uh, it was just like a bunch of like they were like high schoolers and they were just so fucking loud like the whole time and like I actually had to move because they were like, you know, I get it. You know, being a kid, you know, you're having fun with your friends, but like I was really excited to see the movie and they were like just being so loud that they were like taking me like out of the experience so like i actually like had to like move closer and then like you don't have as good of like a seat but at least it was like i was out of like earshot from uh from the from the youngsters from from the annoying oh dude that's huge that's huge yeah no yeah. it's funny i sound I, like an old man now no no you know? dude it happens to us all i don't want you to be upset you know i was in a movie theater just a little bit ago and there was six people in the theater and one dude had his flashlight on his phone behind me and he just kept flashing look like at the back of my head looking for something what? i know i he dropped something and he just wouldn't let it go and i'm like <laughs> i'm fucking moving <laughs> and there's only right. like there's like nobody in the theater dude but i was right. so annoyed like dude why would you bring your flashlight on just 
like get it later. There's nobody here. Right. Dude. <laughs> yeah. You're not on like a busy, busy train. Like it's gonna wherever you dropped it, it will be there. It'll be easier to look for it once the house lights come on anyway. Exactly. That was my. Po- I wanted to turn around and say that, but I'm like, you don't be confrontational. You don't know who you're fucking with. <laughs> you know, you're talking right, to. Right. He's behind. Or who knows? Maybe maybe he would like maybe he like ate some like shellfish by accident. How was like was having like an allergic reaction and was like looking for his epipen or something. You never oh, know, dude. You brought you. I mean, <laughs> very true. I would have helped then, but I I never want to piss somebody off behind me because I always. Feel Feel like if they really want to kick you, you. turn around and his, his fucking his head is like swelled up to the size of a beach ball. <laughs> He's oh. like looking for this EpiPen. Like you know, you should be like administering like CPR on this guy, but you're just like this goddamn guy with his flashlights annoying the crap out of me. <laughs> that is awesome, man, dude. And by the way, just to give Ari Oster another high five, I don't. I think daytime horror is like impossible and he nailed it with midsummer i've always said that oh yeah i no, that was truly unique to me i've never daytime seen horror? a movie yeah i've never seen that before in terms of like an entire film being set in like bright 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 daylight for bright. the most part there's a couple wicker man the scenes, only one i can think of like that also had the, the, the original wicker man not the nicholas cage one but oh <laughs> uh, uh, okay yeah i don't know if you yeah. saw it but uh and I, I maybe this one inspired that i don't really know but like I don't remember darkness. I just remember sunlight, pure, and like I'm scared. Everybody can see me, and then in my mind, I'm like, "Dude, you can't run and hide in the sunlight <laughs> in these fields, right?" So yeah, that's talent. That, that scene with the, the the cliff and like the yo, you know, the people that kind of aged out of the cult um, was super gnarly. Yeah, and that's that's another thing I give that I give him credit for. And I don't know for a fact, but those were practical effects. There's no, it wasn't like the CGI way. Um, right yeah i also appreciate that uh i think the thing is one of the best horror movies too i've ever seen for that exact reason yeah all like that the the yeah the animatronics and there's the crazy makeup and just i don't know just the creatures just look different when someone makes them by hand rather than uh does a cgi thing doesn't that sound like a fucking great career like like cgi no 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 disrespect to cgi masters that doesn't sound amazing to me but like hey i need you to create something tom savini style and i don't care if it's like a replica head of a brad pitt exploding doesn't that sound amazing (laughs) you know like and i don't know yeah yeah i can imagine like this like the cgi stuff like i have no like artistic ability when it comes to like in the visual realm so you know all all of it seems very daunting to me but um uh, yeah, I guess it seems it would be more. It seems like it'd be more fun to like. It seems like the CGI thing. I can only imagine it, it is probably so laborious and like. There's probably so many people that are like adding in their two cents. Like, can you make the dragon you know a little less green? And then it's probably like one million more hours of work. You know, where it's like, I feel like you create like a mold of something, and you know people can see it in real time and like touch it and feel it, and they're you know they're probably a little bit more uh, stoked on it because it, maybe it feels more finite. So I can imagine like you can kind of create something and then uh, you know move on to the next project. Like I can only imagine the amount of like edits that go into like when you're doing shit with like CGI, especially for like one of those big like Hollywood studios nowadays. Oh yeah, dude. No, I, I got to be a nightmare. I, I completely feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, just give it a green tint. Okay, let me do this. Right, uh, the goblin is should be more green. <laughs> Give him like, purple God eyes. damn it. Take away the purple eyes. That was an awful idea. Damn it. <laughs> right, like, right. And then with, with, your, with your cast, you're like, this is what you get, motherfucker. <laughs> right? Right, so, right, exactly. So Take it or leave it. You know? So, yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, you want it slimier? All right, cool. We just go to the slime bucket and just, you know, 
drizzle a little bit more on, we're good to go. I mean, we could relay that into music, though, in some format, right? Where it's like, hey, this is the take back in the day. This is all you're going to get. Uh, there's right. got to be some freedom to not being able to, like, I guess it. it's like now let's get to music because, dude, we are, I'm sorry, we, we went a little long, but I, I just love talking, man, so it's cool. But um, <laughs> everybody knows we're here to promote, and I'm going to play some fucking killer tracks off the new record, Nether Heaven, September 9th by Revocation. But, um, like, nowadays, when you can tinker, how do you know when to say when with a song? Mm. Yeah, um, I guess it just it just feels done when it, when it, when it feels done, I don't know. It's it, it's it's kind of hard to say. I mean, mm. certainly when you're in the studio and you're in that process of recording, it's already ninety five percent there. Um, and then you know, you maybe you add in some little sprinkles here and there. I think I just kind of give it like the final listen. Um, and generally, my instincts are correct. There's there's been like only a couple times when we've actually been in the mixing process that I've changed things up. So, for example, on um, on the, the Gargoyle debut, that's my other band, mm. um, I was listening back to the mix, and there was just one section I'm like, ah, I really think I should have put a guitar solo on that one part. And so I went in and, and tracked something and, and sent it in, and it was just like, hey, can you, can you add this in there? Um, but those, mo- those instances are, are more few and far between, because um, generally when I'm in that recording process, like I feel like I'm already almost at the finish line, and I've already put the song through so many uh, sort of filters in my mind of thinking about different variables and moving things around and changing things up. Um, you know, by the time we go into the studio, it, it feels pretty damn rock solid to me. Nice, dude. Has there, and it's learning curves, man, right? All the way. Has there been a track maybe early on in your career or anything that you remember where you over tinkered with and you're like, fuck, I don't know what I did with this song and just wanted to tear it all down? Um, well, on... I don't know if it's like an over tinkering per se, but you know, sometimes like something feels right on a certain section and then some, some other sections might just feel off. So on the outer ones, we recorded a track that didn't make it onto the record. Um, so I basically took that song and like chopped it up and added more stuff to it. And then that song turned into lessons in occult theft, which is track two on the new record so some of those riffs i'm sure i have a demo version of it somewhere um I'm not, i have no idea where but th- there was a totally different uh, version of, of some of those riffs on a different song on the outer ones that just like we we're gonna put it on but i just i felt like just something wasn't quite right about it and then when i kind of unraveled it and picked out the different pieces um i was definitely glad that uh i did that because i feel like i made that song like 10 times stronger um, and, you know, s- save the parts that I really liked from that song, move some things around, and then, and then the parts that I added, I think, kind of, at that point, I was like, okay, this is what that song needed to sound like. So you, you have to be critical of what you're writing. You can't just think like, oh, well, I, it, you know, it came out of my skull here, so I, it, it's got to be great. Um, you, you have to be critical. You have to go in and refine um, but it is a balance, right? You know, if you do too much and you pick it apart too much, then you're never going to put anything out because you're so concerned about this, the song being like "quote unquote" uh, perfect or whatever. So, yeah, um, I think I think it's a balance. Um, I, I think it was 
think it might have been Salvador Dali that said, uh, have no fear of perfection, you'll never achieve it. Um, if it wasn't Dali, it was some other great thinker, but it might have been Dali. Um, so that, that quote always just kind of stuck with me in terms of like, you know, we all have these like ideas in our head and obviously we're, if you're a musician, you know, or an artist or whatever, you're, you're striving for something, but part of the creative process is, it's imperfect sometimes. And, you know, you, you, you put something out there and then you kind of make room for new ideas and it's just this constant evolution. Um, and that sort of, I think has been the, maybe one of the driving forces for me is it's like I wrote so much as a kid and certainly with the, the early revocation material, we experimented a lot and we were still kind of um, defining, you know, what the revocation sound even is. And now um, with with this newest record, I, I feel like it's it's very like concretely defined. Like we have like a fucking dictionary definition of, of the revocation sound uh, as it stands today. Uh, certainly, we're still going to experiment with our sound and, and, and continue to push our boundaries for as long as we write music together. Um, but yeah, it feels just very dialed in at this point after, you know, after eight records. Yeah, dude. Identity is, is just like a human being. A band's the same you know, life form in a lot of ways. Identity is hard for everyone. And when you feel like you're comfortable and you know your identity, there is a big weight, I feel, that kind of is off your your shoulders. Um, but there are steps to finding that. I mean, it, do you relate to that in the band aspect of it? Um, tr trying to find a musical identity for the band? Yeah, just for you, where you're like, no, this is exactly what the identity is. Where when you're first starting, aren't you like kind of trying to find that? Or do you just know it? Uh, well, no, that's what I was just saying. Is, yeah. yeah, we definitely tr tried to find our our sound and our identity, um, you know, in the early years of the band, and that led to some different experimentations. Um, I mean, we, we were bringing in thrash metal elements, death metal elements, prog metal elements, yeah. black metal. I mean, there, there, there are so many different uh, sort of ingredients uh, swimming around in that cauldron in the early years. Uh, but I guess we've like a nice, uh, like a nice sauce. We've reduced it down, and uh, and now you can just ladle that over, you know, some mashed potatoes. Yeah, dude, just to simmer. Now we ain't got it. We got to yeah. turn it on high, just to simmer. We're, I love it. I love it, man. The record is amazing, and and between uh, the outer ones we just brought up, man, also uh, just a great record. But obviously, there's a different process going into the latest one because we all went through that COVID time period. Um, what was the difference between recording The Outer Ones and Nether Heaven for you personally, or was it all kind of the same? So um, the writing process was similar. Uh, the rec I mean, we didn't have maybe as much time to get together to, 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 to obviously rehearse the material because we were you know, in lockdown and you know, Ash lives in Canada. Um, so we had less time to sort of practice, but we made use of our, uh, our time in terms of like Skyping and stuff like that. So you know, we didn't have quite maybe as much time to jam it in the room. Um, but the recording process was totally different because, uh, except for the drums. We did the drums with Shane Frisbee at the Brick Hit House. He did this, we did the drums at, for the outer ones there as well. So that process was the same. But for everything else, it was totally different. Um, I basically took on the producer role on this record. I, I definitely learned some new things. I had a few tricks up my sleeve. Uh, in terms of like learning my DAW better, like I, I spent 
time collaborating with different people over the pandemic and doing some different covers. So um, I, I felt like I got more accustomed to working in logic and working on projects that were you know, more than just like demos, things that I was going to be putting out there. So I try to take those skills that I learned and just apply them to the recording process. So I tracked for the first time ever all my guitars, um, all, my, all my vocals, I should say I, I engineered them. Um, I engineered Brett's uh, bass playing on the record. So totally different process for me because usually we're going into the studio and, and, and someone's taking on that role. So it was a lot to take on all at once, especially because this is the first like full album that I've ever done. It's, it's a little bit different when you're just working on like a song here or there and you're really only responsible for your, your own parts. Like for the collaborative things I did during the pandemic, I mean, I was recording like maybe a couple of guitar tracks and then a solo, but that was it. Um, you know, here I'm, I got to worry about vocals. I got to worry about bass. Um, you know, and, and then it's not just for one song that I'm keeping track of. It's, it's for, it's for nine songs. So there's a lot of things that, that went into that. Um, some hurdles along the way for sure that I had to leap over. Um, I think it would have gone smoother had I had, you know, a, a, multiple albums under my belt but that's the thing when you're doing this kind of shit sometimes it's just a trial by fire and you don't really learn until you make those mistakes um but i feel like i came out of it much stronger uh i feel like i gained a whole new skill set um and uh, you know i felt like i really accomplished something that I'm, I'm super proud of not just from the playing side but the fact that i was able to um you know engineer and oversee the the, the tracking of the record and when we gave all of the sort of raw files to uh jens bogren um you know we didn't hear any complaints back so that was uh we kind of had our fingers crossed uh and everything worked out thankfully so I'm, I'm glad that it worked out the way it did dude nice and the extra time did that help uh just because of the pandemic time for, for you to do the trial by fire or did you feel like there was a deadline still all, all looming over you while you were learning this new process well, I, I, we didn't go into the studio until, like, but by, by the time we went into the studio, I, I feel like I had already gotten myself pretty comfortable with, uh, with, with the software. Um, and then, you know, when you're in the studio, there wasn't, like, since there was no producer there, like, it didn't have that same level of pressure because um, I could just kind of work at my own pace and set my own schedule. Like, I don't have to wait for someone to come and start up the computer and, get the day started, I could, you know, if, if I wanted to start at 9 a.m., I could, and I could work till 9 p.m. if I wanted to. So um, I was in control of that. Um, yeah, I mean, there, but there obviously was some type of deadline because yeah. Jens Bogren was mixing and mastering it. So, he, you know, he's got quite a, a lineup of, of artists that he's working with. So, you know, he fit us into his schedule and we had to make sure that we, we, we delivered it on time. We actually technically delivered it, like I think, like a week late. But it, it worked out for him because I think he might have been running behind on a project. So it kind of lined up pretty well. I, I give you on time then. <laughs> it sounds like it was perfect. Now, yeah. out of curiosity, musically, I mean, um, acoustic-wise, I mean, obviously that's not something we talk about in the heavy metal sphere too often. We're not acoustic listening people. But is there an acoustic artist that's inspired you? Like, or that you listen to a lot in your life that, um, you know, in some way helps maybe songwriting wise, some subconsciously or anything like that. Um, I mean, I love those like acoustic records by Alice in Chains. Mm, um, yes, that show was awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, dude. No, it's, uh, I, I've I've argued many times that Jar of Flies is the greatest EP of all time, and uh, I still it's, stand it's by that. Incredible, right? Is there a better EP yeah. off the top of your head? EP. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna argue <laughs> with that. <laughs> nice. Yes, I got. You're not the first one to agree with me on this. <laughs> we did yeah. a list of VPs that were like the greatest of all time, and I'm like, but that bloodbath one was so good. But wait, Jar of Flies was like magical. There's something yeah. magical to it. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> so, so, uh, and abs- and their like MTV Unplugged record was great. Oh yeah. Um, their Nirvana Unplugged record's great too. That that, that was a good series for a while. Yeah, dude. I mean, I really feel like uh, I, I want to say I miss it, um, but I also feel like uh, you can't. Again, if you, you're not going to top those albums, dude. P. Anyways, but let's talk about a record that I love. I just saw my time just passed up. Shit. Okay. Well, that's what happens when you talk movies a long time. So let me promote one more time, Dave, <laughs> before I let you go, my man. Nether Heavens coming out September 9th. It's a fucking beast, a beautiful record. Be proud, dude. You guys accomplished something magical, dude. And obviously the track with Trevor, it's a little too soon for me to talk about it. But, man, it's something that us fans just it, – it blew me away, man. And, and this record is super important, and I can't wait to see the year-end list because it's going to be on there, man. So hats off to you for giving us this record, Dave. I really appreciate it, and I want to thank you so much, dude, for calling in here to the Metal Sucks podcast. Thank you so much for, for having me. I, I really appreciate it, and yeah, it, was, it was fun uh, shooting the shit. And I, uh, I hope everyone enjoys the new record. Come see us when we go out on tour this fall.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. Got three songs we played for you. The first one, obviously, what we're here to talk about, what we're here to promote, Nether Heaven. Revocation's latest album is coming out this Friday, September 9th. That track is Re-Crucified, featuring the one and only Trevor Sternad and George Corpse Grinder Fisher, guys. If you guys haven't, pick it up, pre-order, stream it, Revocation's latest record. Nether Heaven is out now. Played two other tracks from some bands that I've been digging the last month a lot and uh, checking out their record. The first one is from a band called Burmer. That's B-R-Y-M-I-R. That track is the title track to the record. It is Voices in the Sky. If you guys dug that track, man, Burmer, B-R-Y-M-I-R. Make sure you're picking it up, streaming, checking out the latest record from them. Voices in the Sky is out now. And everybody knows me. I'm a huge Fates Warning fan. Mark Zunder and Ray Alder, they have another band. It's called A Through Z. Third song you heard is from their debut self-titled album. That track is called Stranded Man. And I tell you, that's a great voice that Ray's got, but uh, just a great band, and um, and I'm just really digging this debut record, A through Z, guys. It's out right now. So those are three different types of music, three different kind of tracks. Make sure you guys are checking them all out. With that, I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews we keep getting on the good old Apple iTunes. That is all we ask for as a podcast team. When we go the extra mile, we get that extra episode interview for you guys. That's all we ask for. Go over to Apple iTunes, click five stars. We don't need comments. We don't need reviews. That's it. Makes us stoked. Makes us happy to see that number grow and appreciative for um, you guys out there listening to us or choosing to listen to the bands that we love and interviews we do and also all the other support on our other podcasts that is Rise to Offend, the documentary discussion podcast. So if you guys haven't checked it out, we've done over 100 episodes. We've done metal figures. We've done political figures. We've done uh, yada, yada, sports. TV, whatever you guys uh, are into. Trey Parker and Matt Stone, we've done six hours on those dudes, man. So it's a, it's a great, a, a lot of work goes into that show, but if you guys haven't checked it out, go check out our other podcast that is Rise to Offend. And with that, guys, you'll hear from me in two or three days when we get to talk to the mighty, the wonderful Neil Fallon from Clutch. Until then, our friends. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.